Welcome to Writish, the one-stop shop on your writer journey where we discuss everything writing-related from shiny new ideas through publication. Whether it's on the indie or traditional path and the ish of life that fuels and sometimes gets in the way of our creative pursuits. I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction and alumni of the NYU Master's in Publishing program and the founder of Inimitable Books, LLC, a new book publisher dedicated to uplifting marginalized voices without forcing authors to spotlight their trauma. I'm Kelly, a genre-hopping writer, trier of hobbies, and a debuting author fall of 2023. All right, and today we are talking about critique partners, alpha readers, and beta readers. These are, you know, words that are frequently thrown around, but I feel like maybe some new baby writers might not know exactly what they mean because I know I didn't. So why don't we jump into what is the difference between the three or how we personally differentiate between the three? To me, it's about when they come into your writing process because they are all giving you feedback on your story pre-publication and presumably like pre-agent, pre-editor, if you're going traditional route, pre-editor, if you can afford it, if you're doing self-publishing, pre-publication. If you are foregoing an editor altogether with your self-publishing, which is not something I recommend, but I understand not everyone can afford an editor. So, you know, it's basically before it's going to a professional and or the public. So for me, a critique partner is there as your sounding board. That can be when you are brainstorming from the very start or you maybe have done your outline if you outline and are drafting and then you're like, hey, writer friend who's my critique partner I'm thinking about blank and blank. What do you think? And then you have your alpha readers who you give your like first piece of shit draft, as Kate would say, Kate Cavanaugh. And I think she took that from like some other writer. I think it was Nora Roberts, if I'm correct, where, you know, it's your first draft. It's technically complete in that there's a beginning, middle and end, hopefully, but it's not polished, but you need some eyes on it that aren't your own. And then to me, beta readers are after that. So you've taken your alpha reader feedback, hopefully, you know, done a little something with it, and then you pass it on to beta readers if you want to do that step so that you're still getting feedback, but they're not looking at like an old version where they give you comments and you're like, oh, I already fixed that. And then, you know, they would be like, well, then why'd you waste my time type of thing? Because that's not fair. I don't think you need to go through the Greek alphabet if you do a second round of beta readers or something. To me, it's just all beta readers. You can have multiple rounds. Yeah. Yeah, because anything after that point, because people go through multiple rounds of beta readers. So don't there, there's, there's no need to, like you said, go through the Greek alphabet. Yeah. So what would you say? My way to remember these are even more simplified. <laughs> if you are having a like hard time remembering like, oh, which becomes before which, just remember A comes before B, so alpha before beta. And for a critique partner, it's b- abbreviated CP, which could also be looked at as critique pal and pal is your friend. So normally these are like the first friends that you might make whenever you jump into the community or whenever you start venturing into it and they are growing with you and are on a similar level to where you're at so it's very mutual and they can be there for like Zara said birth of the idea seeing it drafted 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 again 
and then maybe published after that, depending on how many drafts you got to get through, depending on where you're at with your writing. If you decide to co-write with someone, you could possibly have all three of these in one person with your co-writer, which is a very fun process to go through. So go back and watch those episodes if you didn't. And if you did, go listen to them again. Pretty please. Yeah, I think we should also say that anyone who's any of the three can be in those multiple reading stages if you want. It's not like, oh, someone was a critique partner, which means I can't have you be an alpha reader and or a beta reader. Exactly. I just think that you want to have more eyes on it each time that are fresh for each round so that you're not getting the same feedback over and over and so that your readers aren't getting blind to the story the way that you as a writer maybe have because you've seen it so many times. So I think that goes into the next question, which is how do you get your feedback? It depends on how you find the community online, how you find your writing group. You could post in Facebook groups. I know that those are pretty popular. I'm not on Facebook much. I don't even have the app installed on my phone. I'm personally finding more readers and meeting people through like Discord servers. And you can also put feelers out on Instagram. I know that there are some communities here on YouTube and some channels who will match you with beta readers. I think our friend Barrett Laurie does something like that. Yeah, he does a critique partner match. There's multiple ways that you could go and find and search it. It's just whatever you're most comfortable with. So me personally, I did a mix. I put feelers out on a Discord server I'm a part of, which is a little shout out moment for the troublemakers, which consists of Katie Ann, Great Fry, also, you know, known as Devasha, Stieg, I'm so sorry if I butcher your last name, Dyerdahl, and Wallissimo. They're a great group. And every Friday, weekly, they run accountability live streams with some sprints. And it's just a fun, wonderful time. And they even have their own powerful Jod. And if you're curious about the Jod, go check out a Friday stream. Their YouTube channel will be linked down below. Yes, their Discord server is where I put some feelers out. I was able to get an alpha reader from that. And then the other alpha readers I got for my book one of Adventures in Thimbleton series was on Instagram from putting Instagram feelers out and like a call like, hey, y'all, help a girl out. So how did you find them? Because you're more professional than me sometimes, I think. I don't know if I'd say I'm more professional. I've just done it more times. I will say that for the Belgrave Legacy in a very, very early version, I had, it might have been... Susan Dennard. I think she was doing a critique partner match. I might be wrong about her being the author, but basically there was some organization or reputed like writer group that was running a critique partner match. And that's actually how I found Jesse Elliott, who was my first introduction to AuthorTube back in 2014. Woo, shout out to Jesse. <laughs> shout out to Jesse. We interviewed her. Her episode will be linked in the show notes. And she was writing a young adult paranormal romance. I was writing a young adult paranormal romance. We were reading the chapters as they were coming out and like brainstorming. So it was kind of like critique partner, also kind of alpha reader. If you believe that alpha readers can be done like chapter by chapter versus just handing them the whole manuscript at once, which is something I guess we can talk about later in this episode. But I think when you find someone through a critique partner match, 
sometimes people go into it not understanding the differences between the three things that we just defined. So you should always set your expectations with whoever you match with and be like, hey, this is the level of feedback I'm looking for. I'm going to be giving you the chapters one by one or all together or in chunks and things like that. But I just went for social media after that. You know, like I did it on Twitter. I then moved to Instagram once I became friends with the AuthorTube community. And, you know, everyone's really on Instagram. A lot of people aren't even on Twitter, which is fair, up to them. And then I just became friends with a specific set of people through AuthorTube. We're like really close friends. So we'll chat about our stories just casually. So in a way, I guess yeah, we're all each other's critique partners in that way, but it's not a formal agreement. When I say formal agreement, it's not like you're drawing up contracts for these things. You should not be saying like sign a contract that you're not going to share this stuff. Like that's really distrustful and it doesn't make a good relationship also on that note have you ever had to pay betas or alphas for their services so i haven't there are some people who will call a manuscript critique service beta reading and i personally think that unlike sensitivity readers which should always be paid yes pay your sensitivity readers yes I feel like critique partners, alpha readers, and beta readers is not a paid thing. I think if someone is offering a manuscript critique, you should be paying them. But also at some level, a beta reader's feedback can be just as thorough as a manuscript critique. But both of those aren't necessarily the same thing as developmental editing. There are lots of things where like, it depends on the person and how deep they want to go, because I know that when I was offering manuscript critiques left and right, I'm someone who can't see a grammatical error and not comment on it. So like I offer light editing, but I didn't want to promise that like, oh, this is a developmental edit because some people expect very heavy stuff with that, while other people are like, oh, just tell me big story comments and things like that. So Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but my answer is the internet. (laughs) And I initially had people signing up through a Google form, and then I paid for type form because I needed it to do my grad school final project research. So I was like, oh, this is a prettier form. Might as well use that if I'm paying for it. And then I started paying for Story Origin, which is a great service where you can do like newsletter swaps. But then they introduce beta copies, which I use for my alpha readers. They call it betas. Again, you can kind of use these systems for all three, depending on what you want. But then they have a sign-up form through that. So it didn't make sense for someone to be filling out a Google form or type form and then signing up through Story Origin because that's just a lot of extra steps. So people will just sign up through that now and... It works. You can upload there chapter by chapter, or you can do one mass upload and then just tell it how to break it up. I think you should always have a form so that you can see who your readers are and their emails 
just so that you can be able to contact them individually and or nudge them if, you know, maybe they haven't started reading when you expected them to and things like that. Yes. So, yeah, I feel like that's a very easy way to find them is just go on the interwebs and start your search. Pick a avenue you want to go down to put feelers out. So after you go through, you get your readers, you get your critique partners, you get whatever you need, and they give you feedback. What are you supposed to do with the feedback? I would say get the feedback however you want. So I know some people want at the end of every chapter, here's a response. And then you can take those responses and make your notes on like what you're going to change. I personally like inline comments, which is why I initially did Google Docs for each reader. Uh, But then that started freezing. So then I would do chapter by chapter. But then sometimes they'd be like, wait, I know I commented on this in an earlier chapter, but now I can't scroll up and see that because you deleted it from the document to avoid it freezing. But it just wasn't working. So then I switched over to doing Word documents with track changes, either chapter by chapter or a whole thing. But then not everyone has Word and sometimes the formatting gets wonky if you open it in pages and it was just like, "Mm, wasn't my favorite thing. And now I currently do it through Story Origin because it's built in that they can do inline comments. They can't make their own edits, which they could do in track changes through Google Doc or Word, but they can do inline comments. And then at the end, they are asked to give like chapter feedback and you can say certain questions that you want to ask. It doesn't have to just be like, here's a blank box for feedback at the end of the chapter. That's how I get the feedback. Kelly, how do you do it? I know you have read some of my work as like a critique partner and Brie Bonomo as well and Kahila Harry have all looked over a story for me. I believe it was uh, The Dangers of Engagement, but Zara has looked over multiple stuff just because uh, whenever I came into the community, Zara and I really clicked. <laughs> as you can tell, because we decided to do a podcast together. Yeah, like if you didn't know. And I'm publishing her book. If you didn't know, we kind of click and we have this chemistry together and it's just great you know anywho so Zara has seen more of my works than I think some other people in the community has but I also am now just getting around to feeling more comfortable to sharing my stuff so whenever I'm sharing anything for feedback whether you know CP alpha beta I will share it via Google Doc because while it may have some kinks with how it functions and how it works depending on how you want to separate or keep together your readers, Google Docs remains the best cost point for me, which is free. (laughs) So totally fair. Yeah, like I might in the future try different avenues depending on how things pan out. I hope I can. But for me, this is the most cost effective way. So that's the way I'm gonna do it. So I've talked about how You know, I've had people look at different stories, but for book one in Adventures in Thimbleton, my debut novel dropping fall of 2023, mark your calendars. (laughs) I made each alpha reader their own personal Google Doc 
with a copy of the manuscript in it. And for me, it's a bit easier to keep it organized that way instead of putting all of my readers in one doc together. I didn't want my readers to have any sort of pressure with there being other readers in the same doc or, you know, just any sort of like, ooh, I don't want to like touch on this because someone already has touched on this because if one reader touched on something, another reader might touch on it in a different way and they can both still be helpful. Yeah. So I may do something different in the future, but for now, this is how I'm doing it and this is how it works for me. I mean, other than the different platform, I do the same thing for the same reasons. I don't want my readers to see each other's feedback, not because they wouldn't have a great conversation about things, but like you said, you want the feedback from each reader about maybe the same thing and you don't want them to maybe be like, oh, well, I don't have to talk about it because someone else already did. Exactly. It's really good information for a writer to know that, hey, multiple readers are focusing on something. Yes. And maybe they have the same opinion or maybe they have different opinions, but if there's a like type of sticking point somewhere, you want to know that. And if all your readers leave an individual comment on that thing and they don't know that other people have, you as the person who sees all the feedback can just look at that in pure numbers before you even read the comment and be like, okay, I got to pay attention to this. But I think before we talk about how you pay attention to comments and use that feedback, some people might be nervous about sharing their work. You mentioned how you just started feeling more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. How would you say, I know people talk about having a thick skin and is that something you're born with? Is it something you develop? Like, what do you think? Because it is a uniquely vulnerable position to put yourself into. Yes. Sharing your work and, you know, maybe it's taken you a really long time to write. Maybe it hasn't, but it's still important to you. As writers, we do tend to put ourselves, pieces of ourselves into our story. And it can be scary when people critique it because that's critiquing you. And sometimes people aren't ready for that. So yeah, developing a thick skin is something that's often thrown around, something that people tell you to get comfortable with. I have a little bit of a different opinion on this. In my opinion, it depends on where the writer is at and the level of writing that they are doing. If you asked me in college to share my writing and get feedback, I think it would have been a much harder thing to do because I had a very big and fragile ego that I carried around with me versus a few years later joining the AuthorTube community and having the want to share my work and see others' works, the want to hear what could be improved because I myself was being the roadblock of my own improvement. When you start thinking that you're the best at something, that's when you know you've got work to do. That's not to say don't have confidence. Like me personally, I know I'm a good storyteller. But I also know I have weaknesses like grammar, underwriting in areas that need more to the scene, etc. So practice makes better and better is all you can hope to be. So I don't think it's a thick skin people need per se as much as it is being open and comfortable with where you're at with your writing and people commenting on it. So that way they can help you because that's what it is. These people are helping you. They're not attacking you. And I think you need a certain level of openness for that. Yeah, I agree with all that. I would maybe tack on, slightly change the phrasing, however you want to interpret 
what I'm about to say is that you do want to have a separation between you as the writer and the work. And I'm not talking about authors behaving badly and whether or not you can separate art from the artist, but when they're commenting and critiquing your work, that is what they are doing. You have reached out to people and are asking them to help you make the story better. Now, you don't have to take all the feedback, which is what we're going to talk about. But like Kelly said, they are critiquing your story. They are not critiquing you. And there are times when you're writing something and you have it on your head, or at least other writers do. I don't. A Fantasia also don't do like all the world building in advance. But, you know, sometimes you know something and you didn't put it on the page and you meant to but you are blind to the fact that you didn't. So someone saying like, I'm confused is not saying you're a bad writer or what you write is unintelligible and impossible to read. They are saying, hey, I'm confused about this so that you know that, oh, I didn't put everything on the page that I wanted to, which goes into how you use the feedback. So Kelly, how do you use your feedback? I know that you're in the process at the time of this recording of finishing getting your feedback. You haven't exactly jumped into making revisions with that feedback, but you are making plans. Yes. Something I have found is helpful is that I was reading the feedback as it came in just because of how excited I was about this. Like it was very exciting for me to see all this feedback, whether it was critiques, praise, a little bit of both, like it was all exciting. So I was taking notes. I wasn't commenting back to the readers because I didn't want them to, again, feel any sort of like pressure of, oh, the author's watching me or, oh, I'm not done yet. Yeah, I wouldn't write back to your feedback as it's happening. Yeah, like I didn't write back. There was like a few I wrote back to and I think it was on Stieg's because there was a question he asked twice and I'm like, okay, he asked twice, I'll tell him. <laughs> so I ended up telling him and explaining something because uh, he was like, oh, this is so great. I want to know the inspiration behind it. And then he brought it up again and I was like, oh, you really want to know, do you? <laughs> And then there was one of my other readers, Amanda Newman, was found something that I didn't realize I did. And she was like, do you want me to just flag it every time I see it? And I was like, yeah, that would be really helpful, actually. So there are times where like I interacted with the reader, but for the most part, I wanted them to just read it and have the experience. Something else I was doing was whenever they would give feedback or critiques for a specific scene, I would either type up in a separate Google Doc for myself notes and I did it a little bit in Notion, but then I was like, ooh, I'll just do it in Google and do my notes so that way this isn't like bombarding Zara's notifications. <laughs> then I also found is handwriting down the feedback I get and separating it per chapter. So it's like I'm making another outline by hand, but now I'm putting in all the feedback from all my readers in one handwritten document. Now, I know most people probably don't have the time for this kind of process, and that's okay. This is something that I have the time for. And it's something that I like to do because handwriting things helps myself get familiarized with the feedback of each chapter. And that's just how I learn. That's like my learning style. So I'm doing that. And then after I get that outline, that improved, whatever you want to call it, finished, I'll then create a new document entirely, whether it be in Scrivener or Google Doc to start the new draft 
So that's what my process is looking like right now. And again, I might change it in the future. I might not. We'll see. How about you? So like we talked earlier, I also get my feedback separated by reader. In story origin, I can filter it to be by reader, which is what I'm doing on the matchmakers, which at the time of this recording is not done. And that's because readers are starting at different times. But what I'm doing is putting the comments into my Scrivener doc all combined, even though Story Origin can do that for me. I just like having it in my Scrivener document all in one place as a record. And I go through my comments chronologically. So I want to see all my reader feedback from the different readers as they go through a chapter. So that's why I like Story Origin because it compiles it all. And then I just manually do it in Scrivener because retyping the comments makes me think about it. And there is science about how physically handwriting something puts it in your brain better than if you're typing. And some people argue that doing it on an iPad, which is like kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion, at times, still isn't the same. We're not getting into that. I think for me, it works. I normally don't do it as the comments are coming in. I have started with the Stellar Blood trilogy because I was doing it so fast, is I would just throw up a chapter as I wrote it, or once it was written. You can't edit your chapters within Story Origin. You have to upload a new version. But once a rough chapter was done, it would be uploaded. And then I just kept going because I didn't want to read feedback and then worry about having to fix that and then affecting the rest of the story. So like by the time I reach the end of a story, I can then go back to the beginning and then put all the comments in. And then I go back to the beginning and use those comments as guideposts to revise my novel. I used to make notes on my own story prior to getting this feedback. What I now do is if it's something really big, and I'm like, this needs to change. I'll put it as a note in my Scrivener document, but I've found a really good set of readers who want to read all my stories. And then I have the signups for other people who maybe want to read my specific stories because I write in multiple genres and no story is exactly the same as another. I feel like those comments are normally good enough that I don't have to make a revision plan for myself prior to getting those comments. But as some of my readers always say, and I think it's like an apology or something where they don't want me to think that they don't like my writing, which I know, but it makes them feel better to leave it in their comment where this is just a suggestion because all feedback is at some level just feedback, which means it's optional. It's not an edict to make a change. And if you eventually get an agent who will normally make some edits with you before they even shop it to editors and then editors give you feedback. There's technically nothing in any contract that says you have to make the changes given to you. And there's definitely not a contract with these critique partner, alpha reader and beta readers. So I think you should take what they're saying with the openness that Kelly was talking about, but Take it as you will and then use it when you want to. But again, if something isn't helpful to you, then you don't have to address it. 
I know earlier we mentioned this, but let's talk about extra rounds. Tell us a little bit more about your process with extra rounds. I just briefly mentioned that with the Stellar Bud trilogy, I was on a very tight timeline. I've talked about this in past episodes of our show. And, you know, not to toot our own horn, our backlog is awesome. We don't put out episodes that we're not proud of. We've never recorded an episode that we're not proud of. So, you know. There's that. We Like Kelly was saying with our chemistry, we click together as people and we're very lucky that we can work together well because not all friends can. Tangent aside of how awesome we are as a team. (laughs) With The Matchmakers, my first standalone novel, I started writing it while I was in high school and I was taking a creative writing workshop instead of a standard English class as my final senior English class requirement in high school. I had taken one earlier when I was working on the Belgrave Legacy, and I just like feedback. I do think that sometimes you can get feedback too soon, and it makes you doubt your writing, but for me, I was okay with it. And with this story, though, it's changed in pretty significant ways at some level as I've grown up and I've thought more about things, but the core has more or less stayed the same. But I knew that when I reached the end of my first round of revision, which took a long time because of physical and mental health things, I kind of just wanted to be done with it, even though I knew that it wasn't in the perfect shape that I wanted to publish it in. And I just felt it's my first standalone. I want it to do really well because this is a different form of storytelling than I've technically done before because even though the Belgrave Legacy trilogy, they're all linked. They're still kind of standalone, but they're shorter stories. It doesn't have to be as complete because I know and recommend that people read all three of those books so they can get the biggest picture of the world and understand that the experience of being a different supernatural species is different for everyone type of thing. And in the Stellar Blood trilogy, I knew that I had three books to tell a single story. I'm not doing that for the matchmakers. So like Kelly was saying about how a writer can know their weaknesses, I'm also an underwriter. I have aphantasia. I build my world as I'm writing. So I always ask people, where do I need to add more? And I did get that feedback in the first round, but I wanted more feedback to be like, hey, did I add enough? I didn't want people to just read it as the published version and then Maybe people in a review would be like, oh, it didn't feel fleshed out enough. So I am doing a second round of beta readers for this story. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want your book to be as good as possible. And if you think for a certain story, you need multiple rounds and go for it. Yeah. So I agree with Zara here. No surprise. But whether it's because of imposter syndrome or because, you know, we're such perfectionists or maybe it's a bit of both, you can only get your story so far by edits, revising, and tweaking it yourself, even with the feedback. At some point, you're going to hit that wall. You know, it's the best you can do, and that's when you look into the next step on your writing journey. And if you're sitting there like, Kelly, the fuck, how am I supposed to know when I'm done done? How am I supposed to know when I'm there, when I'm ready? You'll know. You'll know because you'll be so over that story to the point where you may be pulling your hair out because you don't know how to improve the story to make it more elevated, to make it more streamlined. And it has nothing to do with your writing skills. 
that just means you're ready for the next step. So muster up some confidence, confidence, not arrogance, muster up the confidence and do the damn thing. No matter who it is that you're going to be querying your story to, like, come on, do the damn thing. We believe in you. Yeah. Or moving into the next stage of self-publishing, you know. I'm speaking from traditional because that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Of course, of course. Just throwing that in there so they know that we haven't forgotten them. And I totally agree. We have referenced a quote in a past episode by the author of The Little Prince where he, and I'm paraphrasing here, he was basically like, perfection isn't when you can keep adding things. It's when you can no longer take things away. And for writing, I would say, you know, you're no longer cutting things. You're no longer changing things in a way that, you know, could be seen as, oh, you're cutting how it was and you're completely changing it. I still go back and read some of my stories and are like, oh, as a better writer now, I would maybe change certain things. But I'm not tempted to do what Jesse Elliott is doing where she is going back and rewriting her debut series. She's also rebranding them, but you know, you don't have to rewrite your story to rebrand it. But anyway, you don't want to get caught up in, oh, I can just keep doing extra rounds of beta readers to make the story perfect. Because like Kelly said, you might never get to the next stage. And for people who've never finished a draft, it's good to finish a draft and know that you can do it. For people who then go through this process of getting feedback and using it, it's good to know that you can. But if you never get to the end goal of publishing, assuming that is your goal, however many steps that is, however many gatekeepers there are, if you're doing traditional versus self-publishing, you can't stay in the tweaking stage forever, as Kelly said. And when you can't think of a way to make it better and you don't think that the comments are adding anything else, once you've used them and you know maybe you do a third round but you're reading through the comments and you're like there's nothing really that I'm going to change based on these that's when you know it's quote-unquote done and you need to move on yeah do the damn thing do the damn thing so final thoughts that we have I think there is some level of go with your gut but also know that your imposter syndrome will lie to you. (laughs) Yes, we do have an episode on imposter syndrome. I just feel like we plug it way too much, but hey, go check it out. It's our first episode of the entire show. Welcome to Ride-Ish, linked in the show notes. (laughs) Like most topics covering writing and how-to around writing, it's completely figuring out what does and doesn't work for you as the writer. The only way to get there is try as many combinations and as many avenues as possible. And a good start would be easing into it with maybe a handful of alphas. Don't overwhelm yourself with 10 plus. I think 10 would be a good cap to ease yourself into it. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to overwhelm yourself. I personally try to get an odd number so that there can't be a split down the middle because sometimes I am not decisive enough to be the tie-breaking vote, but I'm pretty sure Kelly had an even number and it was fine. You can start small, do multiple rounds within the same, you know, beta reading stage. You can do a larger group, do a revision, and then another round. With every part of the writing process, it is what you make of it. 
I know some people don't do all three stages of these types of writers, friends and feedback with the critique partner and then the alpha reader and the beta reader. And that's fine. It's what you want out of it. And remember that everyone that you enlist is there to help you make the story better. And then hopefully by virtue of that, you a better writer, but they are not critiquing you. They're critiquing what you've written and is on the page. And be open, go into it with an open mind. This has been the Writish Podcast, and we will be back with season four. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Writish Podcast, on Twitter at write underscore ish, and on Kofi at writish. Bye. Bye.